Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I thought that we would rehash um, a topic that we've talked about in the past, and I've decided that we were going to have this conversation as a result of a few different conversations that occurred over the last couple of days. And the topic is around airsoft burnout, how to get around airsoft burnout, uh, and how to reinvigorate yourself and your your you know your love of the the sport and the hobby in after situations where you're sort of down on it. And a couple of different things happened almost all at once that made me start thinking about this a bit more. And number one was at our local field uh, over the weekend, some one of the refs uh, actually straight up asked me and said, hey, you know, Phil, you've been playing airsoft for a, you know, a really long time. Uh, I'm not sure if it's more time than this person's been alive, but I digress. Um, and I was just wanting your opinion. I've got a lot of airsoft gear. I've got a lot of different guns, but I don't really seem particularly interested in playing. How would you go about, you know, getting my interest back, coming back to the sport and so on. Similarly, in the Discord, one of our users was saying the same thing, asking, it's like, hey, you know, I've I've been taking uh, a bit of a break from Airsoft and I'm coming back to it and I'm not really sure if I'm super engaged. Uh, I'm not really sure if I'm really interested into it anymore, etc. And finally, on the flip side of this, we had one of our retired players, Mark, come out to a game of Airsoft on Saturday, which for him reignited that, uh, that you know, interest and desire for, for the sport. So I thought we'd, you know, have a, have a bit of a conversation about that again. And it's worth really thinking about, you know, Airsoft is something that we find fun and something that we've done for, you know, for in my case, a really long time, but we've done it specifically because it is fun and it absolutely can happen that you reach a point in your life where things that you found fun before are no longer fun for you now. I think about the hobbies that I used to have, you know, 10, 20 years ago, not necessarily the same hobbies I have now, with the exception of of Airsoft. You know, for I played guitar for many, many years. I played piano for many years before that. Um, I did kendo for many years. I no longer do that. I used to, I did mixed martial arts for a while and I don't do that anymore. And just because you have invested time in something doesn't necessarily mean that you must, that somehow there's just some cost. But I also think that there's there's a point where you need to look at what you're finding fun or what you found fun in the past and ask yourself, hey, so what are the things that are not making this fun for me before you just dump it? Definitely. I think probably anyone who's listening to this has at least at some point fallen out of love with some sort of hobby or some sort of thing they enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, the trick with Airsoft is you know, assuming you do in fact want to continue, how do you maintain that and how do you get it back once it sort of goes away? Um, you know, and I think our team has had some uh, some really positive interactions with that question over the last few months, right? Like if you look at uh, John and his new AK, you know, certainly he uh, has been finding, I guess, running the M4 platform a little stale. Mm -hmm. uh and he is having a blast so you know that's always an option change up your primary platform yeah so i mean i think i think what we can do in this episode is dive into some of those things that i would recommend uh some some of the things that we've even done 
you know, in detail, right? And talk about it. And I think a good place to start is, of course, your gear. I remember a few years ago, uh, this was, you know, 2019, I think, uh, right before COVID, I was really sort of not feeling airsoft, right? This is before we started the podcast, uh, of course, before COVID, when we were forced apart from our hobbies for uh, an extended period of time. And I was sort of done. It's not that I was done, but I was like, I really, it's like the idea of getting up on a Saturday to play ourselves was like, meh, whatever. And I asked John and I said, hey, we should wear World War II kit, both of us. I'll wear some of your stuff because, you know, we're both smaller guys. Uh, and, and John we'll has an abundance of kit. So like. <laughs> and he has so much kit. Yeah, absolutely. And I was wearing unfamiliar gear, uh, gear that was not modern either, which I think that there's a lot to be said about the advances in some of the, the comfort of certain garments that you're wearing or like boots, for example, uh, wearing, comparing hiking boots to, you know, the hobnail boots or whatever it was that I was wearing that were not period accurate, the double buckles or whatever, but whatever. Um, like there's a lot to be said about how uncomfortable I was in that clothing, not because it was like super uncomfortable, but just because I've never worn anything like that in my life before. And then I had his Thompson, which I had never, ever handled in my life, ever. I didn't even know how to reload a mag. Um, and that, by doing that, by changing up the kit that I'm using, by changing up the platform that I was using, by thrusting myself into a completely unfamiliar environment, the only difference uh, was that I knew what airsoft felt like. So, uh, you know, I knew what it felt like to get hit by a BB, right? Uh, but everything else was completely new. It was almost like playing airsoft again and discovering it again for the first time. I think one of the things that was helpful to you there is that, like, we all sort of, you know, get in our own heads about stuff at times. And, you know, if you're if you're coming to airsoft and you're not having fun, maybe one of the reasons that it, uh, I think can be that way for a lot of people is that you just you know you you've gotten in a rut if you will you know and you've gotten to the point where you're maybe taking it too seriously is the other thing i think a lot of players who you know especially uh, if they have a similar mindset to us where they're putting in you know regular work on improving their play you know it can be a thing where you get to the point where you're not being as chill as you actually perhaps should be and putting on a set of gear that you're not comfortable with uh, and using, you know, a gun that you're not comfortable with uh, is a great way to remind yourself that, like, you still have a lot to learn and also that, you know, maybe you shouldn't take this as seriously in terms of being stressed out about it. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point because another thing that happens in that same vein is, yes, you're taking it seriously, but because you put in a lot you're all, of your, you know, emotional energy, you know, the sweat equity, whatever you want to call it, um, you set up expectations of how you should be doing right? It's kind of like if you're studying for uh, a test and you study really, really, really hard, you expect you're going to do well. Hopefully. And similarly <laughs> for Airsoft, right? Like if you're at home doing ready-ups every single day, you're doing like hundreds a week, you know, thousands a month or whatever, uh, and you're watching a lot of content that is existing to help you, you know, utilize cover better, uh, how to think about your position. If, you know, you, uh, you know, uh, listen to some of our stuff and you try and apply some of that on the field, you have an expectation that you're going to do well. And that expectation can also turn negative towards you if you're just not living up to that expectation. Suddenly it no longer feels fun because every time you leave the field, 
you're comparing yourself to this idea of what it should have been. And if it wasn't that, then you just feel unfulfilled or feel like, you know, you didn't do as well as you should have. And I know, because I've been there for sure, we've talked about it on the podcast before, that you have these expectations that you've created for yourself. And when you don't live up to them, it's frustrating, it's not fun. But on the flip side, you can break those expectations by completely changing your kit. Like when I ran my AK, uh, not my AK, I should say Steph's AK, and a Chicom uh, for a game, I had never used a Chicom, I had never used an AK. And so my expectations were zero. I thought I was going to suck. And spoiler alert, I didn't. But I also had a lot more fun because I was using a bone stock AK with barely any iron sights. I don't think they were zeroed at all. Definitely not. Definitely no no optic, right? So I'm hitting the field. I'm doing my best and I'm doing fine because I'm, you know, I'm a reasonably okay player. So I'm doing okay. Um and so I feel like I'm just doing amazing because my expectations were zero. If you reverse the situation and I had been using all my regular gear, do I think that I would have been as pleased with my performance as I was? I mean, maybe, maybe not. It's a bit of a dice throw. But all of that happens as a result of just shaking things up. So I think, you know, what Pat was saying, like you get in this rut. Absolutely. One of the things that can concretely you can do is swap things out, do things differently. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the biggest things for me that I think keeps the game fresh, and I mean, part of this is, you know, the ooh, shiny factor for me, but like yeah. uh, having a variety of rifles to use is definitely a thing where I, you know, I both have, you know, different tools for different circumstances, but also just have a lot of options to go, eh, I think this would be fun this time. Yeah, absolutely. And that to your point as well, like the types of rifles that you have, they, you know, they change your play style as well. Like when you're using your M27 uh, HPA, obviously your play style is going to be very different than when you're rocking the, you know, the 249. And obviously people might go, well, though, Phil, but the reality is like when you're sort of staring down the barrel of that, of that choice, sometimes it can be a real stressor because you're like, I don't know if the 249 is the best tool for the job for this particular game. So what if you use it? Then what, right? Uh, it's like you're used to using a long range rifle and someone gives you a shotgun and says, go. It's like, okay, well, now I'm in a completely different situation. I don't know what's gonna happen. And again, you're removing a lot of those expectations you place on yourself, right? And I mean, one of the things I've found, like just talking about the 249 for a minute, Right? Like one of the things I found with running that is that I play a lot more aggressively. I mean, part of that is that uh, it does not have the range my yeah, M27 yeah, yeah. has. Like, uh, but part of that is just, you know, like I can, uh, I can lay down a certain amount of uh, fire to provide my own suppression as I move about, uh, which has proven to be pretty effective. And like, it's a very different play style. It's very... Uh, different as a tool to solve problems but like that doesn't mean that it's not viable for most of the game modes we play it just means that it's perhaps perhaps not the only tool i'll use for them and i mean it also has to work sometimes as we encountered last weekend sometimes you go to use it you're like whoop that's not working for whatever yep, reason that was uh, that uh, was unfortunate but you know <laughs> what can yeah, you it do is. i think uh, jordan uh can certainly attest to feeling those feelings as well with his uh LMGs, but I digress again. So um, every now and then you have a moment of, damn it, gun, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, really, when we think about shaking things up on the, you know, in terms of what the gear that you're using, there's also a huge thing to be said about shaking it up with how you're playing on the field. 
right? If every single time you play a particular field, so let's set aside the fact that if you're playing at the exact same field every single weekend, it's going to get stale in a, for a variety of different reasons. Let's set that aside for a second. If every time you play, you're doing the exact same thing. Some people love that. Some people love the consistency of doing the same thing every single time, and that's fine. But for other people, that can be stale. So when you're thinking about, well, what's it that I used to find fun about Airsoft that's not engaging me anymore? One of the things could be that the play style, you know, is is stale for you because you've been doing the same things. Every time you go to the field, the whistle blows, you, you know, you go to that piece of cover, you're shooting targets, you know, 150 feet away until you get a bit of attrition going and then you push up. And every single time you do that particular field or that particular day, it's always the same. So one of the things that you can do in that case, as Pat already alluded to, was to change your play style because of your rifle. But another thing you can do is change your play style with your team, right? If you're playing with other people and you're always assuming the same role, swap it out. If you're always the guy doing, you know, um, the uh, the LMG role, doing the, you know, the squad support role, if you're always the one doing the DMR role, um, you can swap that out. If indeed your team has those roles, not every, not every teams do, not every fields call for it, et cetera, but just in general. And where we did experience exactly that was when Mark played with us this weekend. You know, when Mark played with us six years ago, prior to, uh, you know, his back being bad and all that kind of stuff, um, he was really into the focused recon dedicated marksman role. Like that's what he wanted to do. And this is before we had HPA. This is before we had our hops in every single gun. Like this was, this was before those, the golden years uh, of where we are now in terms of airsoft. Is a lower tech iteration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're just like the performance, uh, the performance metrics that we get now were just not easily achievable if at all at that time. But anyways, yeah, that's decidedly. the point. <laughs> The, the point is, that's what he used to do, and he excelled at it. Um, when he played with us on Saturday, that was not the case. Like, he did not have uh, a, a DMR rifle. He had a Mark 18. He had John's Mark 18, in fact. So it was still like a Stanag NATO-type rifle that she's familiar with, so the skills transferred perfectly fine in terms of manipulation of the airsoft gun. But, you know, he didn't have an optic on there. Uh, he didn't have a, a magnified optic, etc. And he was up front with me. And he was rocking right? a chest rig as well. He used to run the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. He was actually wearing my old plate carrier. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. He was rocking yeah. a plate carrier. He used to run the chest rig, right? Same one I'm yeah. currently running. And so, like, that's definitely a a different experience. <laughs> yeah. And jeans and an OD shirt, right? Like, that's, that's what he was rocking. But so, it was a different experience for him. But he got to experience the field in a way that he didn't experience before. And that was super engaging for him. Yeah, well, right? I mean, it's a very different play mode. Um, I suspect he also benefited a fair bit from the fact that, you know, like, yes, we definitely played at Frontline back in the day, but when he was playing with us, we played a lot more at Redcliffe and other fields. And, mm -hmm. you know, the reality is that the sort of DMR slash recon role that he was rocking was extremely useful to us and extremely effective uh, in sort of a much less urban, much less, you know, a bunch of smaller curated field setting. But... Mm in the kind of games we typically play on the weekend at Frontline, the reality is that setup wasn't super effective compared to, you know, a Rifleman one. Like, there's a reason I haven't gone and, you know, cranked the HPA setup that I'm running and bought 0.4 gram BBs and switched it over to a single shot DMR kind of function. Like, I've played that there. I've used it at Frontline, like that style of rifle at Frontline. And I didn't find it particularly engaging. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of days, um, not that I don't absolutely love the M27, but there are still a lot of days when I'm like, man, it would be really cool to have a shorter t- uh, upper and a shorter inner barrel to swap onto this for uh, some days at Frontline, just because, you know, a lot of the field there is CQB oriented. And like, I don't think the, uh, the M27 disadvantages me as such, but there are definitely points where a shorter rifle would be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, and I mean, speaking as a guy now who owns a rifle that's roughly the same length as I am tall. Um, I, I definitely can appreciate that. That you had there's a lot more uh, work that needs to go into your, you know, your rifle manipulation in order to be able to really maximize, you know, how you're uh, how you're employing it, right, and how you're employing cover and stuff to not put yourself at a disadvantage, right? Yeah, I mean, that's... which is especially stupid for me right now because my gun is not shooting as hot as it's supposed to. So I'm like, not only am I using a rifle that's like two million miles long, but I'm also not getting the range uh, that I'm supposed to be getting out of that rifle. Uh, so it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. But I mean, again, that plays into what are my expectations, right? My expectations are right now are just like go out and have fun and I don't really care. Um, so that's fine. Right. Yep. And like, you know, one of the, (laughs) one of the things that's been interesting for me over the last little while, uh, in that regard is learning the HPA setup, right. You know, um, because I've played a number of games where I'm like, oh, right. There's a performance dip when I drop below a certain pressure in this tank. Uh, yeah. And so getting used to, um, checking the tank and doing that, like the, uh, the setup I'm currently running is definitely, uh, not as air efficient as the Kythera was, <laughs> but I'm also shooting yeah. a lot more than I did when I ran the Kythera, right? Like I burned through uh, my entire load of mags more than once this weekend. Uh, and there've been a lot of games in the last two years where that really wasn't the case. Um, and I'm the one who shoots a lot. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, I'm learning from your example. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and a good example it is. But uh, yeah, so the result there is like, okay, so... Uh, it's definitely proving effective to shoot more in a lot of circumstances. Uh, it's definitely, you know, working out, but it does mean that I've had to uh, refill the tank during play. Uh, and particularly I've been learning that like, oh, if we're going to play a half hour or hour like straight game mode where I'm going to be ripping, you know, my full uh, vest of mags out of the gun and I've already burned through a bunch of ammo, I need to remember to check the tank and refill it um, mm-hmm. where uh, certainly like last year, uh, I didn't have any days like that. I had a lot more days where I came home with, you know, um, like still with mags loaded from the full day of play. Right. Um, and there's some, uh, tinkering I want to do to see if I can like get the air efficiency up a little bit, but really my goal is to have it be as accurate as possible. And it's certainly doing a really good job there, except when the pressure dips and I'm like, Ooh, I have lost all of my range. Hooray. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about, you know, changing your gear up, changing your play style up. One concrete tool that I really, I find is very effective for changing up my play style. One of the things that typically happens to me, um, and, you know, for better or for worse, before the game begins, people on my team look at me and they're like, hey, what are we doing? Right? They look they look at me for that sort of guidance or an idea or whatever. And sometimes I don't really want to come up with an idea 
I don't really have an idea that's good or or what have you, and it's just not really how I want to be playing airsoft today. So sometimes what I've what I'll do and what I've done is I just say to a particular player, usually on my team uh, on the Storm Riders, I mean, is I'm just going to stick to you. Whatever you do, I'm going to do that also, right? Um, and typically, like I've done that with Johnny, you know, I've done that with Cal. Um, but the whole idea there is that. I'm pairing myself up with someone and I'm just going to go with the flow and do whatever it is that they do. And by doing that, I'm sort of taking myself, my own brain out of the equation and I'm just responding to what's happening on the field. And by pairing myself up with players who are, from my perspective, I'm looking at them going like, well, they're more aggressive than I am. They're faster than I am. Um, I get to experience things a little bit more like them. Um, And it, Gives the it gives the game a different sort of shake, right? Similarly, if you're the kind of guy who's always like running and screaming, you know, guns guns ablaze and at the front or whatever, pair yourself up with someone who is not at all your playstyle, right? Someone who's slower, more deliberate, um, and just go with them for you know a game for two games or whatever, and see how that playstyle is different, and really force yourself to follow them, right? And that will make uh, potentially give you an experience that you haven't experienced in yourself before. And that might rekindle either uh, the way that you enjoy playing or make you discover a new way of playing that you actually enjoy quite a bit. Or a bit of both, right? Um, you know, one of the perks to playing with, um, you know, with a team is definitely that you can do that, right? Um, but I think the option to do it is still available even if you're not working with teammates um, in the sense that, you know, hopefully you're part of a community and you can, you know, hang out with and play with people on the regular who you're willing to work with and who you enjoy hanging out with during games, right? So even if you're not forming a team in any formal sense, you know, working uh, alongside some of the guys who I play with, I mean, you know, less than regularly <laughs> is a cool mm-hmm. experience. You know, uh, on uh, on Saturday, uh, Hapgood and I worked, I think, fairly effectively uh, as sort of like a pair of, uh, he was rocking a uh, a bolt action HPA setup with a magnified optic on it as well. So we were sort of operating as like a spotter sniper pair, um, because anything that needed way to fire uh, in sort of a closer range, I could provide. And he had his uh, rifle, you know, dialed in for even further out than I can reach. So if we needed to mm-hmm. reach even further, he could do that. And that definitely. Uh, made for sort of a like a pretty cool like gradual push up suppress move uh, piece of teamwork and we didn't really discuss it it just sort of happened organically because of where we were on the field and what our kit did but it worked mm-hmm. really well uh, and it's not something we've done before um, you know he also works as a referee so like he doesn't get to play with us uh, every time we go out and our kits because we are both crazy people with too many guns uh, our kits don't always line up perfectly either so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not necessarily a formula that will happen every time we play together, but it was really cool. And it's definitely a formula that like if we were working as a team for a larger game at some point in the future, uh, I would suggest he and I actually do again because it did work quite well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's those types of discoveries, too, that can reinvigorate um, your interest in, in the sport, right? Like if you're doing that and you have a really cool moment, you want to re- replicate it again. Yeah, and like. I, one thing I have to I have to add in here from my own experience because it's I think both kind of funny um, and very useful and frankly kind of stupid on my part, but like it's a good thing 
to uh, to pass along people learn from my mistakes right uh is so i had you know probably three or four years there where like i was playing once a month maybe once every month and a half of the season i wasn't playing a ton it was sort of a like oh you know i'm working a lot and i'm really tired and like i'm just not motivated to be completely honest to get out of bed early on a saturday to do this um mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm not a morning person as we've discussed before right like coffee makes me a much more civilized human <laughs> um and one of the things that really helped like get over that hurdle and get me back to playing regularly was going to games like just pushing past that sort of like oh no uh feeling that I think everyone gets that's sort of like, eh, bleh, about this hobby, bleh, about this thing that I'm going to be expending time on and going and doing it. Because really, you know, every time I go play, I have a blast. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I think especially for, uh, you know, the, the folks out there who are more in line with our age range, um, it's really easy to feel like you don't have time and really easy to feel like you are, you know, pretty heavily committed in your life. Um, but it can definitely be really worthwhile if this is something you have enjoyed in the past to take the time and make yourself go do it, to make time for it even. Um, you know, I've played, I think, probably three times as many games this season as I did last year. Uh, and yeah. it has been a blast. Um, you know, I've had a ton of fun. And, like, part of that is, yeah, I, I've been messing around with HPA stuff and that's been an incentive to go play and, like, seeing you guys and, getting out of the the covid box has been an incentive to go play um but yeah just one of the things that has really helped me rediscover my love for airsoft is just making myself go play you know yeah and there's a lot to be said for that and it's interesting too you know in talking with chris and stuff chris hasn't played with us in in a while because he's been so busy with work etc and i know that he certainly feels that he's been gone so long now that he's nervous about coming back because it's like, well, I'm not going to be as good as I was. Again, it's talking about that expectation, right? And I know talking with Mark is very much the same thing. It's like, oh, how is this going to go? I, you know, it's going to be complete, you know, an utter trash. Like, it's going to be horrible, etc. And the reality is that, number one, you've done it so much. It's kind of like riding a bike. Like, you don't really forget uh, Mark was it was Mark was telling me like if he thought about what he was trying to do with his reloads he would be all over the place but if he just did it he did it just fine yeah right? well, I mean like it's muscle, that muscle, muscle memory is great right, right? Yeah. yeah exactly right so don't think about what you're doing just do it right but so I think the 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 point I'm trying to make here is we can often find you know get in this in this rut in our own minds where we're like oh well I haven't played in two months I haven't played in six months I haven't played in twelve months I'm not really an airsofter anymore it's not, I'm not really into it I can't go back because I'm not going to be and all of that is rubbish right it's just garbage it's barriers we're putting up in our own minds about reasons why we can't do that or whatever but to Pat's point just now if you found it fun at some point. And you haven't done it in a while, chances are if you went out and did it again, you probably would find it fun. And if you don't, well, then that's a different story. But chances are, based on my experience, based on Pat's experience, based on Mark's experience, he was gone six years, guys. Six years, right? Um, that's a whole lot longer than many of you who are listening have potentially been playing Airsoft completely. Um, not certainly not as long as some of you have been alive, unless you're six and listening to this, in which case I would be very surprised. Yeah, but that's point puzzling. Is, it's a, yeah, but it's a very long time, right? When we think about how long it's been since, you know, the last time you played Airsoft, if you've, if you've been on a bit of a hiatus, a couple of months, 
you know, maybe a year, right? Six years is enough time to pick up the hobby, drop the hobby and pick it up again, right? So like, don't worry about it. If you, if you want to take a break, if you think that will help, you can take a break and you can always come back and don't create these barriers, right? And I'm going to say in the hopes, honestly, that like, you know, Chris and Mark, you know, give this a listen, right? Like, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are at this. Like, we don't have expectations of that for our teammates, but like, you know, you shouldn't have those expectations for yourself either, right? The key piece is, you know, um, come out and play and enjoy it and hang out with your friends, right? You know, and hopefully for, you know, our listeners, it's the same deal, right? If you have an airsoft community that you're a part of and you have people who, you know, you've enjoyed playing with, if you've been gone for six months, you're going to find a bunch of those people still there and they're going to be like, hey man, what's up? Right? Like every, I come back to airsoft after, you know, not playing really a ton in the last couple of years uh, and people are like, hey man, welcome back. I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know exactly right. And changes very little. Yeah. And like I, there are parts of this that I'm definitely worse at than I was. Um, you know, there are parts of it that I'm frankly was never particularly good at that I'm learning how to do. I spent, I swear to God, 35 minutes of a 40 minute game on Saturday, all shooting offhand just because of where I was and how the cover lined up. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm starting to feel kind of okay about this. And then I had to do a, a real, <laughs> then I had to do a reload and was like, Oh good God, why? Um, and for the, yeah. for the second one, I'm not going to lie. I switched hands back, did the reload and then switched shoulders back because it was quicker. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> you know? No shame. But like the, the key piece there is, you know, I still had a lot of fun. I was still effective. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about really for me, those two things, right? Like I like to feel like I'm doing something useful. I like to feel like I'm accomplishing something for my team when I'm playing. And I'm, but I mean, I like to have a laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if it's fun, it's fun. Right. And anytime you're setting expectations or setting or comparing yourself to other people, or it's like that saying, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? If you're just going out there with no expectations, you're obviously going to have, you're obviously going to have a good time, but you know, so we've talked a little bit about sort of how you can play differently, either with different kit uh, or with a different role or different people or play differently with those people. But one thing we haven't really talked about, but that's a huge factor as well, is like what you're playing, like the game modes that you're playing, the maps or fields that you're playing on. Obviously, if there are multiple fields in your area or multiple types of fields, like switching it up is a great it's a great thing to do. If you haven't played a lot of indoor and you want to play some indoor, you can you know do that to shake things up. I personally don't enjoy playing indoor, but if it's for you, you know, like we always say, fill your boots. I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. And variety is really, you know, helpful. Yeah. And so when we were talking about this earlier, you know, I was saying to Pat, like, hey, are you ready to come out to Airsoft on Saturday and then do two village deathmatch games and then a road game and then a simulation game, a D-Day game, maybe a rush game and then finish off with two more village games? Like, it's very, very formulaic, right? Every single time that we've played Airsoft this summer uh, throughout the entire season, every single time we've been out has followed roughly the same pattern, right? Sometimes we do an attack and defend in the village. Sometimes we do a team deathmatch in the village that starts from different different areas. But bottom line, it's basically the same stuff over and over and over. And that can get really boring because once you understand the flow of a particular map, once you understand what different people are going to do, then it becomes less about 
what happens, what is happening on the field right now, and almost becomes sort of a, like a metagame thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm playing against John, and whenever we play this, then John always does that. So then this time I got to do this. Like, and it's not, it's not really the experience you might be looking for. Now, some of you might be listening to it and saying, wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds so like so much fun. In which case, great. But for me personally, that's you know that's a little bit stale. So what can you do if that's your situation? Well, for us couple of different things and this is things that I've recommended before and you know maybe something new but the first one is talk to the people who are running your games and tell them that you would like to try something different bonus points if you have an idea as to what you would like to try so to give you an example of how we've done this concretely um there were times we would play like um, a team deathmatch style game on one of the smaller fields and we would always play north to south basically um and I suggested to the ref, it's like, hey, instead of playing north to south, can we play east to west? Right? And they're like, okay, sure. That game was so much fun because the field was the same field, but basically different because the cover wasn't necessarily all orientated the right way to benefit sort of that particular advance north um, east to west as opposed to north to south. So just doing something as simple as that was enough to really shake things up and make it a memorable game. You know? It turns out the phrase, wait, all the cover is sideways. Uh, is actually a significant complicating factor. Yeah, so then you're trying to maneuver on the field to try and get to a reorientation of the map that's north-south, but you know your enemy is not going to let you do that necessarily either. Uh, so it's... We uh, highly it advise that they challenge. do not. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So then what are you doing? Well, you're trying to find out, okay, what what are the usable pieces of cover? What makes sense for me to, to, to get behind? Uh, you're going, you're kneeling, you're going prone a lot more. Uh, you're trying to be highly mobile, move around on the field, etc. Like it makes for a much more dynamic game and doubly so because neither team has played the field in this way. So it's new to everybody, right? And it creates a new experience. You can do that. If we all don't know what we're doing, it's a very fair game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can also do that by like changing the game rules, right? If you always do a single elimination game, just throw in respawns and see how that changes the dynamic. Because suddenly, if you have a game where, oh, well, all we need to do is hold this choke point and just, you know, it's going to be attrition. Well, that's not going to work if the other team has respawns and they just come after you, throw grenades, block out the, you know, clear out the choke points, and then suddenly you're, you're, you're fighting differently, right? So those you can only try that kind of stuff if you actually communicate with the people who are running your games and if that's you well then great easy peasy um but if, if there's a referee if there's a game marshal and stuff you should be having conversations with them to be like hey how can we try something a little bit different and like one thing i think is really valuable to stress there is that assuming you're respectful in how you approach you know uh your ref or your gm or whatever uh they're going to be delighted because you're helping them do their job. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if, you know, if you're running uh, the games as a ref, then your job is to make sure everyone has fun and to decide what game modes are getting played, at least at the fields we play it. Uh, so, yeah, if someone goes, hey, I have a cool idea, the refs generally, in my experience, go, awesome, what is it? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. um, you know, it, there's also a lot of value in just, Okay, let's uh, let's change up this game mode. Let's think about how this game mode is balanced, wherever uh, you are, whatever game mode you're playing, right? Yeah. So Phil is saying, yeah, okay, so we invert this uh, so that we're forced to think about the cover differently and the choke points differently. Okay, you know that also changes how the field is balanced. So 
it can change how many players you need or how much time they need to accomplish objectives and stuff. But that in and of itself, A, is a learning process and B, is fun. Yeah. You know, the trick I think is not to get uh, too caught up in stressing about it, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, if, give it a shot, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so if you're trying a new game mode and it's like, oh, this is not as balanced as we hoped, then like, don't stop playing unless it's really obviously unfun for everyone. Just yeah. play it out and then make changes afterwards. But also don't stress about it being, you know, completely every game has to be completely fair. Instead, just play games and see how it goes, right? Um, one of the most fun things for me in uh, in Airsoft is puzzling out how to win some scenarios, <laughs> right? You know, and like, we've played games where it was like, oh, we really needed half an hour and the timer was 15 minutes. Okay, that you should probably adjust, but don't just jump it to half an hour. Jump it to 20 minutes, 25. See how that goes. Uh, tinker with things yeah. incrementally. Uh, tinker with things gradually and iterate on them is, I think, a really good advice or a really good piece of advice for adjusting your scenario. And one of the things that actually happened on Saturday, which is a really good example of how you know you can change stuff, was inadvertent because we played a rush game that was supposed to be 15 minutes, but I guess the ref... Uh, didn't really get that memo or wasn't really paying attention that closely to the timer or what have you. But we had a, a 15 minute game, a 15 minute objective to win this rush game. And it just went on until we won, right? 45 minutes or whatever. And that was super fun and super engaging because everyone was, was still guessing. We were like, well, our 15 minutes are up. Are we still doing this? Um, I guess we are. Let's keep going. And the other team was like, whoa, the 15 minutes are supposed to be up. Or if they even kept, kept track of it, I don't know. I wasn't on that side. But we kept pushing. They kept defending. And we kept going and going and going until such time that eventually we had we had won. Now, uh, not super fair, right? Because obviously our objective was to finish within the 15, time, 15 minute time limit, which we never, ever would have been able to do, but that's beside the point. But it turned into a game where we were able to use skills that we haven't used a whole lot as much. So that's the game that you and Hapgood were, were you know, providing support fire on uh, with your long range rifles. You know, me and John and, and Mark were working in, with Matt, um, you know, trying to, to coordinate fire, et cetera, et cetera, finishing in a big D-Day rush. Like, I had all the fun elements. And that only happened because we ran the timer up, right? Or the I guess the timer was non-existent. So again, you can, re you can create that sort of situations on your field by just taking a game that takes 10 minutes or 15 minutes normally and give it half an hour and respawns and see what happens, right? Yeah, and you know, it's worth noting there, like the enemy team uh, did have infinite respawns, I think. The other team, the other team had uh, one respawn at each location, and they kept falling back until they got to right. their ultimate, right, right, right. The final yeah, so it was point, sort of a they were they, they had were more out, respawns yeah. than we did, but not infinite. Okay, yeah, but but regardless, like that's the whole idea is that it's supposed to be sort of an attrition thing, time thing, but what have you. But again, you can create and you can create scenarios like that at your field and work with the people organizing them to try them out and see, like, it's not going to work on every single type of field, um, but you can give it a shot. Like what's the worst, what's the worst that happens, right? You try it out, it doesn't work. And then what? Don't try it again. Yeah. And I mean, both teams, uh, I think pretty visibly enjoyed that game as well. So there was a lot of benefit there. I'd say one of the last things that I really wanted to touch on uh, is finally, you know, if you find that you're, 
you know, you've tried coming to the field with different guns and that doesn't do it for you. You tried different roles and you know, that's not doing it for me either. Tried doing different things with your team, different game modes, not really doing it for for you. Another thing that can certainly help reinvigorate your your passion for the for the game is to start organizing your own events right starting to organize either your own games your own skirmishes your own scenarios and lean into some of the other things that airsoft can bring to the table so number one obviously organizing anything is challenging it's a completely different skill set but coming up with the rules the gameplay rules that make sense that are challenging for players that are going to going to create a good environment is is one thing um, and then the other thing is actually running the scenario and, you know, engaging with the players and for our money, like one of the ways that we like to do this, and this is something that I've done in the past and Opat has done it too, specifically because it helps keep us engaged in what Airsoft can be for people is create the types of experiences, the types of games that we would also like to see in our community to get people interested in that types of gameplay. So in the spring of next year, I'm going to be organizing another operation game at our local local field that is going to include, you know, a, a neutral third faction of NPCs that will have missions that they can give the different teams to do. They might speak a different language than the people who uh, are on the, the various teams. Um, they, uh, they might like you, they might not like you. And so you might have to balance all of that. And that creates almost like a, a, a live action role-playing environment that maybe people in your community, maybe you yourself are, have never experienced. But Airsoft is amazing at giving these types of, uh, of experiences. And that's why, like, if you look at some of the milsims that you see in the States, some of them are gameplay focused, etc. But you have others that have a huge live action role-playing, you know, LARPing aspect. Milsim West is a great example of that. You know, in Milsim West, uh, not that I've, I've been there myself, but just based on conversations that I've had recently, in fact, you know, if you get hit in Milsim West, if you got to lie down and shout for a medic and you pretend like you've been, you know, eviscerated or whatever, and like all of that is that role playing element and it adds a level of immersion uh, either into a storyline or into the type of games that you're playing that is only a sport like airsoft is really capable of delivering and that is absolutely an angle that if you try it you might get hooked and i know there's there's people on our on our discord i mean uh, galen for example is one of our discord larpers and he's really into that style. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Matt, one of our friends, uh, Matt Storm Wizard from California, who went to a Star Wars uh, themed LARP slash Milsim event where he was a Mandalorian, like all kinds of stuff like that. The, the possibilities in Airsoft are really, really endless. And if you live, especially in larger areas, you might find that there's all kinds of games, different types of game modes that help you re-engage with the hobby in a way maybe you haven't considered in the past. And I think it's, you know, really important to stress, you know, when you're, uh, when you're trying to bring these new game molds, uh, game molds, well, when you're trying to bring these new game models and game modes to your community, um, you know, it's, it is a lot more effective to pitch them as like, I've had this thought, I think it might be fun to try than uh, to be like, oh, you know, I'm bored, like, let's try something different, right? Uh, try to bring it to people with a sense of positivity, uh, rather than with a sense of like, you know, pessimism about the current approach or, you know, um, arrogance is probably what I want to say. 
Yeah, like, and you know, it's true because ultimately, like, you might be bored, right? You might be disengaged or whatever, but that doesn't mean anybody else feels that way, right? It kind of sucks when someone in your community is talking trash or talking down about oh, how much stuff sucks. Like, it's just not a not a good vibe. Like, why would you do that? Um, but on the flip side, if you come out and say, like, I've had this really great idea, I'm really excited to try this new uh, scenario, like, I'm very, very excited to run this scenario, um, you know, at the start of next season. Like, I think it's going to be super cool. It's going to be something that basically nobody in the community has really seen before, other than the people who were involved in it last time when we ran it, like, I don't know seven, eight years ago, most of whom are no longer members of our community, right? They're people, they've, they've moved on. Like, we're still here. But if you look at how many of the Storm Riders uh, who were there for that game will be there for this game, you know, you've got a majority, but still you have several people who are no who are no longer playing Airsoft, who are no longer, you know, members of the community and, and so on and so forth. And so you have an opportunity to create an experience that other people have not experienced themselves, right? And that opens up a whole different angle on the hobby, right? If you've never experienced it before, again, like it's just, it's kind of the same thing if you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to play Airsoft, but I'm going to experience what it's like being a sniper in a ghillie suit, and I've never done that before. Well, similarly, if you have never experienced like an extended game, like a six-hour nonstop game, a 12-hour nonstop game, a 24, 36, 48-hour nonstop game, like all of those are new experiences. And that might be the thing that you're like, oh, I love this. Or you might realize that you hate it, right? And that's fine too. And it's not for everyone. Like I think about the idea of like a, you know, 48-hour milsim, like Border War or something like that, um, like Ambo was telling us about, Um sounds cool would i want to play a 48 hour continuous scenario where you know i can't sleep and i might be attacked like i don't know if that's really like milson west is is a uh, chaz was saying like the idea of sleeping on the on the you know in the dirt when you're 59 years old well yeah i'm not thrilled about that idea and i'm not 59 either right but for some people that's their that's their fun there's a lot to experience in airsoft and ultimately where i think i'm getting at with all of this is before you hang up your, your replicas and hang up your kit and sell it all off. There's a lot more left to experience than you probably have experienced. And there might be something there that is the fun that you're looking for. And, you know, variety is king, right? You know, being able to, uh, you know, go from different approaches to other different approaches is great. Um, you know, we definitely enjoy scenario-based sort of narrative play. We've done it before. It's super fun. Uh, but we also enjoy just showing up for random skirmishes, even though after a full season of sort of the same pattern, it starts to get a little bit repetitive. Um, the the mixture of the two is really, I think, the best version. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, there's there's also a world where you do all of these things, and you look at Airsoft and you're like, you know what? Like, I just, I don't find this fun anymore. That's absolutely okay too, right? The one thing I would tell you there is don't lie to yourself either, right? If you no longer find it fun, if you no longer find any joy from doing this, like you like hanging out with everybody, but it's just, you would rather hang out with them and do something else. Well, that's fair. You probably should do that then. Um, yeah, that's fine. But... Before you make that decision, and this is the same thing I told the, the the guy at our field, I'm like, you still have a lot of airsoft guns right now, you know, and especially with Bill C21 around the corner, around the table, like, you know, you maybe, maybe you don't want to sell those off right away, because if you decided you do want to come back one day, it might be hard for you to get them. But that's, uh, that's a different, that's a different 
you know, that's a, that's a, a Canadian issue currently. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have all this gear, you have all these things that you've, you know, bought and paid for, they don't necessarily owe you any money. What's the harm in just sitting on them for a little while before you make that decision, right? Rather than selling it all off and then realizing six months later, you want to get back into it, right? Or 12 months later or a year and a half later, you could have just kept all your stuff. Yeah, you can use that to fund a new hobby or, or whatever. But if you don't need that money, you might as well just hold on to them and try and come back at a time and see if that's if that's still the way that you feel about it. But I, I really feel, and based on my own experiences, and I think, Pat, based on your own experiences, that if you try some of these things, you will uncover those nuggets of things that you love about Airsoft that keep you going. And we've only talked about like what it's like to play, but I mean, there's other things that you can do as well. You know, you could create Airsoft content, right? You can create podcasts. Think about that, right? We're not doing anything special. We're not doing anything that anybody can't do, right? If you're listening to this, chances are you have at least one person that you know who also plays airsoft or is interested in playing airsoft and you can have conversations with them and create content just like me and pat are doing right that's and, essentially and, all we do and let's be real we'll happily tune in and listen you know like yeah exactly right and the same thing with making you know videos you can make videos about you know, uh, educational content, you could do gameplay videos, you can do reaction videos, like there's tons of stuff that you can do. Um, and in addition to that, there's teching, there's, you know, that whole aspect that Pat and, you know, Chaz and other people on Discord are super fond of, right? Depends on the day, I suppose, if, to say yeah. if you're super fond of <laughs> I, it. Uh, I enjoy it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So like, those are all different aspects and avenues that you can explore to keep your interest in the sport. And if you do all that and you don't find anything that's engaging, well, fine. But I, in my experience, I, I can say with a very high degree of certainty that every time I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm done. I'm able to shake things up and remind myself the things that I find fun and go from there and pick it up and keep going. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think Phil has uh, an added benefit there in that, like, he gets to shoot me in the face, which, you know, never gets old. <laughs> hey man, I don't think I shoot you in the face nearly as much as people, you want people to believe. I, I really don't think that, that it happens that, that often. That is probably true, but like, it's, uh, it's I good wish for it the meme value. I, I, I wish it did, but I mean, I can't, I'm not going to take credit when it's not happening. Um, but challenge accepted, I suppose. <laughs> there we go. Goals for the rest of the season. That's right. What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I hope that if you're in a rut with Airsoft or you're, you know, you're wondering what your next steps should be, um, if you're thinking about quitting uh, and you're not really sure that, you know, you're not sold on the idea of quitting, but you don't know what else to do. Hopefully this giving you some ideas as to what you might be able to do differently. Um if you're not sure, if you would like more feedback, if you'd like to bounce your ideas off some people, join our Discord. The link is in the description. We have an entire community of international players from literally around the world, Australia, Europe, United States, Africa, everywhere. Um, and people would be more than happy to listen to where you are at and where it is that you're trying, what exactly you're trying to achieve and what you've done and provide their own feedback, their own spin, their own stories, because you're not the only one who's gone through this. Uh, and other people will be more than happy to share with you and try and keep you, even if they're not part of your community, but at least keep you into that broader international airsoft community. And if you are a person who has, you know, has dealt with this, has struggled with this and has overcome that sort of, uh, how do I keep playing airsoft? Then yeah, come talk to us about it. Tell us how you've succeeded. 
Absolutely. But until that time, guys, that's all we've got for you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.